Good morning, Emmanuel. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. So we're going to talk about Paul, but before we do, I'd like to talk a little bit about Saul. And I'm not talking about Paul before his name was changed, but the Saul of the Old Testament. The tragedy of, of Saul the first king of Israel. This man just could not get out of his own way. Um, He seemed to have, like, start off with a promising start, but he seemed a little more interested in, well, much more interested in his own glory and his own honor than in the honor and glory of God and and the people of Israel. And you see this in several instances in his life. First, he takes credit for one of his son's victories. And then um, he foolishly vows to, unknowingly vows to have his son killed. And the people of Israel save Jonathan out of uh, the the clutch of his father's uh, sword, but um, out of his father's sword. But then he makes a sacrifice. Well, I, actually, it was before that. But he made a sacrifice instead of letting waiting for Samuel to come and make the sacrifice before battle and disobey the Lord. And he was not a priest. He was not to make a sacrifice as king. And then later, after he defeats the Amalekites, um, he did not kill Agog, the king of the Amalekites, because he wanted to keep him as a trophy of his victory over the Amalekites. And he made a mo- erected a monument to himself, as the pagan kings would, when they conquered other cities to mark their victory and and their image there, to set their image there, he made an image of himself. And because he disobeyed the Lord again, Samuel told them that he would lose his kingdom, that he would lose his kingship, and that the line would be taken away from or the king, the the throne would be taken away from his line. So then you see God anoint David, and you see that Saul sees begins to see David as a threat to himself. David kills Goliath, and then he begins to be a general in Saul's army and have victories against the Philistines. And Saul sees him as a threat when he hears the ladies of Israel singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. And at that point, from that point on, he seeks to kill David. Uh, Even when he gives David his daughter as a wife, he seeks to have David killed on his wedding night. And 
you see numerous incidents where he pursues David, he throws a spear at him, and and hunts him down, and, um, and pushes David into caves where he has to hide like Osama bin Laden. Um, but the problem with Saul was, again, that he sought his own honor and his own glory. And he was not invested in the glory of God or in God's people. Now Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, he, in spite of being named after Saul, and he was given a new name, Paul, by the Lord, but he sought, he invested his life in God and his people. And we also should invest our lives in God and his people. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Paul, and we thank you for how he poured his life into uh, your kingdom work and exalting you and and spreading the gospel uh, to the lost and to your people, to those that your sheep who... Um, who had not been found yet, and the sheep that were found. And we thank you for his prayers for your people and his thanksgiving and the example that he set for us. Lord, help us not to be like Saul, but to be like Paul, to not seek our own, but to seek your honor and your glory and to invest our lives in your people. Help us not to be jealous and threatened. Help us to be like John the Baptist who said, He must increase and I must decrease. In Jesus' name, amen. So, therefore, look at verse 15. First, we must invest ourselves in God and His people through thanksgiving in our prayers and through I would say what we where we find our joy really what are we thankful for Um, what makes you excited something to think about as we look at what Paul made excited here therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul, here he is giving thanks, and what is he excited about? He's excited about the spiritual prosperity of God's people, the Ephesians. 
And where he says, therefore, where, or wherefore in some translations, he's referring back to the whole barricade, the barica, I'm sorry, the barica, um, which is the blessing of the Lord for what he's done for his people in Christ. In verses 3 through 15, uh, 3 through 14, excuse me. And he's specifically referring back to the last part that we just talked about in verse 13 through 15, where it says, um, well, we'll start in 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having predestined according, been, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So he talked about himself, Paul, and the Jewish believers having an inheritance in Christ. And uh, then he talks about in verse 13, In him you also trusted, so this was the Ephesian believers, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So he's thankful that when the Ephesians believed, they had faith in the Lord Jesus, that they received the promised Holy Spirit as a down payment or a guarantee of their inheritance, just like the Jewish believers, just like Paul had. And he's thanking God for this. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So when we love the Lord and we, we trust in the Lord and our focus is on seeking Him and investing our lives in Him, when we believe in the Lord and His love for us and we receive Him, then our focus becomes on other believers, the people of God. And our love, uh, the love of God extends to others. As we receive God's love, we are fueled to love others. And so this is, was the case for the Ephesians. First, they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit gave them a love for all the saints, the holy ones, the people of God. And the love for the saints is one of the chief evidences that we know Christ in the believer's life. Um, and it's one of the chief fruit of the spirit. Uh, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. So and love is of course a, a fruit of the Holy spirit. And then in first John, um, John says that if you, if you hate your brother, you don't know the Lord. You don't know Jesus. And one of the chief evidence, as I said, is that we love our brother. That shows that we know Christ. And so the Ephesians were loving all the saints, and Jews and Gentiles and all the saints that they had contact with. They were investing in one another's lives. They were caring for one another's needs. They were praying for one another. They were 
kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ had also forgiven them. Um, they're, 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 these, these are expressions of love. I mean, Paul, Paul reminds them to do that later in Ephesians, to be tenderhearted and forgiving toward one another. Um, because although they have loved each other, they need to be encouraged to continue to do so and to grow in that love. So Paul gives does not cease to give thanks for them and, make, and, and to make mention of them in his prayers. So Paul invested himself in the Lord through thanksgiving and, and God's people through thanksgiving. They were ex- investing themselves in the Lord and in all the saints by loving all the saints and their faith in the Lord Jesus. And by the way, Lord Jesus, um, that... Just a reminder, that is an expression of his divinity. Um, in the Old Testament, the Lord was, you know, Adonai, um, was a title for God and his divinity. And also, uh, Lord was, Adonai was read in the place of Yahweh, the Lord's name, by the Jews. Um, so Because the name of God was holy and they didn't want to pronounce his name, but um, but Lord is a title for Jesus and his divinity. Um, but I do not cease to give thanks for you and make mention of you in my prayers. So Paul invested, and we should invest through thanksgiving, and we should also invest in God and his people through intercession, like Paul did. And so he makes mention of them and his prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul is praying for the Ephesians in his prayers. He doesn't cease to do this. He continuously does this. Um, He's faithful in praying for them. So as I said before, why, and why does he pray for them? Why, does he, why is he faithful to do this? Well, he's excited that they have trusted in Christ. He's thrilled that they have placed their faith in Jesus and in their love for one another, and he wants to see more of this. And as I mentioned before, I asked you the question, what do you get excited about? Um. Do we get excited about when our sports team wins? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We get excited about seeing a new bird or about going out to eat. Um, or, uh, and, you know, having steak. Um, what are the things, your favorite TV show? What's, what are your hobbies? What are the things that make you most excited and there's something for the believer that's wonderful about seeing God work in the lives of other believers. I mean, I really enjoy, have enjoyed our men's group coming together and spending time together and praying for each other and just seeing, hearing these other guys talk about the Lord and what he's doing in their lives and what Christ has done for them and talking about the gospel and encouraging one another with the gospel. 
But it's exciting to see God work in the lives of his people and to see their faith and their love for one another. It's exciting to see you guys growing or ministering to one another. And John, um, the Apostle John said, And third John, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. And so, you know, we could be like Saul. And when we see other people doing well, you can see that as a threat. Or you could see that as a blessing and something that you can invest in and something that you can be thankful for, that you can thank God for. And so Saul could have supported David. He could have built him up. He could have encouraged him. But instead, he chose to be jealous of him and to compete with him. And Saul had this sort of, he had this outward appearance of that he was serving God and and serving his people, but really he was living for himself. And there's a danger, there's a danger even for us um, that we may outwardly look or seek God and, and his kingdom, but there's a danger that there can be rivalries and competitions in the church. Uh, the Apostle John, also that I mentioned before, he talked about diatrophies in Third John, and diatrophies loved to have the preeminence. He wanted all the attention for himself. He wanted to draw attention to himself. And instead of, of advancing the name of God and his glory, and instead of caring for the people and, and the missionaries that that the church and I think that was the church in Ephesus that he was writing to that John was writing to later. Um, so it's appropriate to talk about instead of taking care of the 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 missionaries or the the um, the ministers that would come through um, and providing for them. He was jealous, and he wanted to, um, because he wanted all the attention for himself. So he interfered and discouraged the other believers in the church from taking care of these missionaries. So, but Paul was not like that. Uh, he, even, you know, when people criticized him and they were co- trying to be competitive with him, he was just glad the gospel was being proclaimed. And he was not envious he was not jealous he was not competitive he was not threatened paul um, is excited to hear about the faith of the ephesians and their love for one another he's not thinking oh man they're gonna you know by showing love to one another they're gonna they're gonna show me up (laughs) um and no he's just thrilled that they're showing the fruit of the Spirit, that God is working in their lives. And so he doesn't cease not only to, to give thanks for them and what God's doing in their lives, but also to make mention of them in his prayers. That they got, And what's he praying for them? And this is interesting. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory... Let's, let's, let's stop for a minute and talk about this title here for God. Um, so we've already talked about the Lord Jesus. Now, 
that the God of the Lord Jesus is going to give them something. And the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, I found that an interesting title for God because isn't Jesus also God? The Lord Jesus Christ, we just talked about his divinity, so why does Jesus have a God? Well, Jesus was God, but he was also fully human. So, and as, as man, he prayed to God, the Father, and he uh, cried out to him, and he worshipped him. And in doing so, he set an example for us. Um, and the God of the, our Lord Jesus Christ is our God and Father as well. And the Lord Jesus Christ showed us how to relate to him. And of course, speaking of not, I mean, this is what's truly amazing because we talk about our King Jesus, but our King Jesus, um, he humbled himself, right? And emptied himself for us. And he was the King. The glory belonged to him. He was rightful, uh, deserving of all glory and honor and praise, but he emptied himself and humbled himself and took the form of a servant. And so even Jesus did not, and he, he, in such doing such, he invested in the glory of his Father, but he also invested in our salvation, invested in his people. Um, so... Even he set an example to us of humility and investing in others. And it was for his own glory and the glory of his Father. But nevertheless, he set an example to us of love and um, humility. So, but the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, so he was God of Jesus and his humanity. And he was also the Father of glory and the father and in the within the trinity as well and jesus was the son and obeyed the father and sought his glory but this the father of glory some of the early church fathers took glory to mean jesus he's the father of jesus and jesus is is here referred to as glory but i i think um that commentators like calvin and John Calvin and um, Charles Hodge have it right when they say that glory here is referring to the glorious Father, um, or just a description of God, that, that he's the Father of weight, the Father of worth, um, this Father of glory. Um, he's glorious. He's, he, he's full of worth and majesty, as we sang this morning may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what is Paul praying that they would receive? This is interesting. Because they already have the spirit, right? They've already received the spirit, the Holy Spirit. We just read that in verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So they had the spirit of wisdom. So why is he praying that God would give them the spirit of wisdom? Well, because he's praying this because 
He wants God to give them more. He wants them to give them more of the Holy Spirit, a fullness of the Holy Spirit. And he wants them to grow in their wisdom, in their revelation, and in their knowledge of him, of God. Some, Some say that when this refers to him, that this is talking about the pronoun him here is referring to Christ, and others say that it's referring to the Father, which was previously mentioned. Um, it it kind of makes more sense that uh, that it's referring to um, the Father, if you read it in context, especially when you get to four, verse 20, because it's talking about him working. Um so, but it's the knowledge of God, really, that we're growing in the knowledge of God, that God would give us, the, or some would say even it refers to the Holy Spirit, that we would know the Holy Spirit. Um, but the point is that we would know God. And that is what, that God would give them a great, the Father would give them a greater um, fullness uh, of the Holy Spirit, who's indwelling them already, but the, the Spirit's power, um, the Spirit working in their life and, and filling them with Himself and His rule in their life and giving them wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And, you know, as... as uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church, we have a purpose, and our purpose is what? To know Him and to make Him known. To know Him and to make Him known. And it used to, behind me, um, before this was painted, it used to say that on the wall here, to know Him and to make Him known. And that was really Paul's purpose, was to know Christ and to make him known. And so his desire for the Ephesians is that they would know Christ, that they would know God, that they would know the Spirit, that they would know our King, the Father of glory. And that is what he's invested in. That was what he invested his life in, to know him and to make him known. And so when he hears about the faith of the Ephesians and their love for all the saints, he is thrilled and he is praying and he wants them to know that he's thrilled that they know Jesus and he wants them to know him more. And this is a reminder to us also, as Matthew Henry said, that even the best of Christians need prayer. We all need prayer. And Paul did not cease to give thanks and to pray for the Ephesians. And the Christians that are growing, that are doing well, that are prospering spiritually... Well, they might be tempted with pride. Um, 
They might be tempted. Satan might come after them. They might be tempted with trials. Um, They might struggle. Who knows what's going to come? And and God may bring God brings trials into our lives, but Satan brings temptations. And so they need prayers. We need to pray for one another. I really enjoyed praying with the men, as I said on Wednesday night, spending that time with them and just sharing with them and praying for one another. And um, that means sometimes, you know, being open and honest with each other about our struggles as well. And But we, we need each other. That's why um, it's so important that we spend time with each other, that we know each other, that we love one another. Um, the Ephesians were loving one another. And Paul was loving them by praying for them. So we, we can invest our lives in God and His people through giving thanks and through praying for them, um, through interceding them, interceding on their behalf, going to God on their behalf and asking um, for Him to work in their lives and increase their knowledge of Him. And this knowledge is a personal knowledge of Him. It's a personal knowledge that's, that's based on revelation, the spirit of revelation, the Holy Spirit who gave us the Word of God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And wisdom is that we would know God's purposes um, and what He's doing in our lives. And we're going to see specifically the kind of knowledge um, in my next sermon um, that God... Uh, uh, the specific knowledge that Paul requested that God would give them. Um, But we know God by knowing his purposes and for us, by knowing his word. And we know God by praying and spending time with him and interacting with him, seeing how he works in our lives. I mean, by caring about what he cares about, by being passionate about his name and his glory and his people and talking with him about these things and asking him, about these things and asking so that we would receive. And so we know God through spending time in his word and through prayer, but, but by doing so on a personal level, um, by submitting to him and obeying to him when he convicts us with his spirit, by following him when he leads us and uh, letting the spirit guide us, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, by walking in the spirit, that is how we know God, by loving one another in the body of Christ, by loving God's people and serving them and caring for them. This is how we have a greater personal knowledge of Christ and, and how his word, by letting God's word come alive in us through the Holy Spirit, by letting the Spirit live through us, by letting Christ live through us, and becoming unified with his purpose, that we come to a greater knowledge of him. So Paul sees that Christ is at work, and the Holy Spirit is at work in the Ephesians, and he wants more. And he's, he's thrilled, and he's excited, and he's thankful for that, but he's praying for more, for more knowledge. And he's, he's gone through this blessing and praise 
for what God has done in the lives of his people, and he wants to see God do more in the lives of his people, that he would receive the glory for that. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So it is the Holy Spirit that that opens our eyes and illuminates the Scripture and God's Word and revelation to us so that we can understand and so that we can know Him, have a deeper knowledge of Him. And the eyes of our understanding, the actual word here is cardias, um, and other, other translations have it better, but the eyes of your heart. Many of you have heard that song, Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. So it is the Holy Spirit that, it's kind of funny to think about our heart having eyes, but um, the Holy Spirit, we know that's talking about um, our inner being, our soul, um, that God would open, or our mind, that God would open the eyes of our understanding, really, um, being enlightened. And it's the Holy Spirit that light, sheds light on the Scripture and His Word and helps us to know Him and what His purposes are for Him, for us. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And so, as I said, Paul invested his life into God and his people, and we should invest our life into God and his people through thanksgiving for what God has done in his people and also through intercessory prayer for God's people. And you could also add to that really loving, as, as, as the Ephesian believers, loving all the saints, caring for all the saints. Um, so I want you to think back to the beginning of the sermon. And kind of look at, in, at yourself and think, are you a Saul or are you a Paul? And if Christ is in you and you're a believer, then there's going to be some Paul there. (laughs) Um, But there still may be some Saul there, and that's the flesh. Well, there is. We We all have a little bit of Saul in us, and unfortunately left in us that sliver of the old heart of stone that is still there. And even though we have a heart of flesh. And so, what do we have to do? We have to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And we have to humble ourselves as Christ did. And we have to get out of the way of ourselves. Like Saul was always getting in his way. And David, man, you know, he, he was also a great example because David, as king, he was really all about God as king. And Saul was about, uh, i gotta, I got to preserve my, my throne and my authority and my image and my honor. But David was about glorifying God most of the time. He got in his own way a bit too. But, but, and that was pride. 
you know, and the pride that came before the fall and led him into sin with Bathsheba. But he, he repented and he had a, um, he was a man after God's own heart. And so we can also repent like David when we get in our own way and really get in God's way in a sense. Um, and we need to step out of the way and let God have the glory. Let him have the preeminence and love the people of God and build up the people of God like Paul did. And remember, it's interesting. I, I just think it's interesting that, you know, in the world, it's all about getting to the top. And to get to the top, you have to climb over other people's backs. And that's kind of the ziggurat or the pyramid. You know, you get to the top, you're, you're resting on the backs of others. But with Christ, he is the cornerstone. He's at the bottom. And he's pushing us up. And then on top of him are the apostles who are the foundation holding us up. And that's Paul. You know, he, he was a slave to Christ. And he laid down his life for God's people and for Christ as Christ laid down his life for us. And, and so he was not advancing himself. He was advancing the kingdom of God and God's people and by 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 praying for them by by investing his life in them and that other structure where you try to climb on top and step on other people's backs um that leads to tragedy and disaster and misery and there is joy as we know from Christ and loving one another as Christ loved us. That is the fullness of joy. That is the apex of our joy as Christians. To love one another as Christ loved us. And we need a greater working of the Spirit. Uh, the Spirit is working in you at Emmanuel. But we need a greater fullness of the Spirit's work in us. We need to allow Him to have a greater uh, fullness or to fill our lives and fill us as a body and, and to grow, um, to continue to grow in our knowledge of Him and what His purpose is for us. Um, so let me pray. Uh, let me close in prayer for for Emmanuel and for me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the example of Paul who invested his life and in you and your purpose and your people. And I thank you for the work of your spirit and the Ephesian believers. And I pray that you would work in us as well. Lord, many here are going through trials and temptations and at, at the forefront often is the temptation to self and to exalt ourselves and, and to pursue selfish interests and, and to forget about 
you and your glory and forget about your people and what is best for your people and investing in one another and loving one another. So I pray that you will uh, remind us to crucify the flesh with his passions and desires to deny ourselves, as that is um, the sum, self-denial, as Calvin said, is the sum of the Christian life, to take up our cross and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.